time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, innate legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this special episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Mr. Richard May of the JES Biblical Worldview Talk Show came through with the second hour of the interview that I am now going to be sharing. Like the previous special episode, this segment is a bit more than 30 minutes after the commercials, news, and weather segments were removed, so I ask for your patience once again. Here is hour two of the interview. Enjoy. Broadcasting live from the FMT Insurance Studios of Talk Radio 92.3 and AM 760. Now, here's your host, Richard May. Went to the well and looked in the mirror, raised the glass to my Greetings and blessings, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters of East Tennessee, to the second hour of our radio program, the JES Biblical Worldview Talk Show. We're talking with Larry Lynn. Larry Linton, and he is at Liberty Leadership and Lies. And the reason he is in studio today is because he's running for the House of Representatives in District 12, which is basically most of Sevier County. And we've been discussing the interesting dynamics of him choosing to run independent of any political party. It isn't an independent party. It's that he has decided to not become, what is it, obligated to the political machine. And and it's very interesting because if the voters would see fit to go ahead and elect him, which I think would be a very wise choice, that you would have a guy that would have access to both the Democratic and the Republican committee meetings, right? And that he would be more of an his own one-man oversight committee. I find it really fascinating. It, it, do we have any independents in the House right now? I don't believe so. This, to me, is a fascinating dynamic. But let's set that aside. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit geeky on that stuff. It's kind of like teaching the Hebrew and the Greek of the original manuscript. <laughs> I want to I talk about, first off, the school board. Why are they the most important and most proximate form of elected government for our citizens? Well, first of all, wherever you live, be it in a rental or your own home, you're paying taxes to support that school board in whatever wow. county you're living. So you, you have skin in the game right? no matter what. Everybody that resides in Sevier County pays taxes to support the school board and gotcha. the school district. Not just so, property taxes. Right, right, right. and the, well, the property taxes do that. But so if you live in Sevier County, you're supporting the school board. So that means you have skin in the game, whether you have children in the schools or not. You know, that was a popular objection for a long time. Oh, do you have kids in our school district? Well, what are you doing here if you don't? Right. Well, I pay the taxes that pay your salary. So that's why I'm here. There you go. And the second is you're doubly invested if your children are in the school board. Right. 
Because with both parents, typically both parents working today, your children spend more of their waking hours with employee of the school district your tax money is supporting. So I would want to make sure that that organization, the school board, picks the right teachers, has the right schools, purchases the right curriculum that influence my children every day. In fact, has more influence. Do you think churches have more influence with children today than schools? Not a bit. I mean, you're going to spend one to two hours a week in a church with your children, but your schools, eight hours a day, they're exposed to this. And these school boards are starting to go, they're running rampant. In fact, in Sevier County, our school board is completely, un, their monthly meetings, they do not respond to any of the parents that get up there and get permission to talk. Once a, once a month, I've spoken a couple of times. I've known a, several friends of mine that have spoken and addressed the Board of Education, yet they sit up there in stoic silence. There's well, no dialogue? No dialogue between the elected members of the board. Now, I caveat that. The elected members of the board and the voters. Do they have agents that represent them that communicate with you? They do. And the superintendent or the assistant superintendent is their voice to the people. Now, mind you, the superintendent is an appointed, not an elected person, and the assistant superintendent is an employee, neither appointed or elected, yet that is the primary source they use to respond to parents and their concerns. This doesn't seem right. It is not right, and something needs to change, and that will be one of my focuses when I go to the General Assembly. Our school boards across the state, their policies vary from county to county. There needs to be some standardization that mandates that parents are involved or taxpayers are involved in the purchase of curriculum. Okay. Because the curriculums that are so pervasive out there right now are sexualizing, they're corrosive, and they're divisive. And there is no wonder why we have a mental health issue in our country today. It's because public schools have gotten so far away from their basic purpose of reading, writing, math, history, and science. Now they're teaching this social, emotional learning stuff. Yeah. How do you feel about solving this problem? I want to take all of that and put it on the trash heap of history. Yeah. I got this saying from my brother. These schools and these woke organizations that are sexualizing our children, it's not rocket science. These people are just evil and they want to diddle our kids. Yep. We have to root that out, salt the earth, if you will, get that away from our children. Now, is it my understanding that right now you can't, do a recall election against the school board? Right. The the one law in the annotated Tennessee code allowed for a recall election of a school board that only had a, it had a condition for the population of the county. Was that a minimum or a maximum? A minimum and max, a minimum to a maximum. And there's no counties in our state that meet that requirement. Anymore. They did it specifically for one county to be able to do it. Right. And now that that county's population has exceeded that, no counties meet that criteria. That's crazy. It's protecting these people that are putting this divisive, corrosive, and sexualizing material in our schools. One of the bigger concerns that I have as a Sevier County resident is the amount of growth going on. I grew up in the 50s in Southern California when it was all lemon and orange trees, and now it's all parking lots and malls. And I've come to an understanding there's basically two types of rapid growth. If it's gentle growth, it tends to be a little organic. But when it's incredibly rapid growth, like East Tennessee is going through, I think at one time Knoxville was rated as one of the hottest markets in the entire nation. 
And certainly, uh, we've seen an influx of an, an incredible amount of people here. There's only two kinds of rapid growth in an area, and that's either this random evolution, as we're calling it. Darwinism. Darwinism, <laughs> or there's intelligent design to zoning and growth. Right. Sevier County is experiencing some terrible zoning and growth issues, mm-hmm. especially out where I live close to Seymour. I live on the edge of... It's like they're just putting houses on every flat piece of land there is. Right. I mean, the, the lot size are, is no bigger than this studio room right now where they're right on top of each other. I know Chapman Highway's recently been expanded, but Boyd's Creek hasn't. But I've lived there five years, and there's been at least seven or eight new housing developments with 50 or more houses put in there. The roads can't sustain that. Right. And The it's school system, the, the access to infrastructure and markets and everything that you would normally get uh, everybody's coming in or out of pretty much the same road right the un- unincorporated part of Sevier County Seymour is is just being run roughshod over All right. well, we'll be right back after these messages do you want to make it better or do you want to make it worse welcome back to talk radio 92.3 FM and AM 760 you're listening to the Biblical Worldview Talk Show. I'm Richard May. In studio today, we have Larry Litton. He is running for the 12th District House of Representatives, which is basically the Sevier County area. And we have covered just a whole bunch of stuff here today, Larry. But I want to get into the idea that Tennessee is one of about half the states that are what I might say the modern version of the colonialists that have decided that Mother England is no longer their friend, that that it's oppressing them. And we, we see the country starting to become very clearly almost evenly divided between the red and the blue states. Yes. So what can we do here in Tennessee to ensure the furtherance of a constitutional government? Electing members like me. <laughs> I knew it was a softball, that, but I, that's the first you hit way. that one out of the park. And then uh, once you get people, once you get this state to be, become more prosperous by following constitutional principles. Here, let me ask it to you this way. Can Tennessee do a better job of being more red? Absolutely can. Okay. We're red in name only, but based upon Ooh, the way like our that. General Assembly votes. I mean, there is a supermajority of Republicans in the Tennessee General Assembly, both Senate and House. How much does big money, corporate out of Tennessee money, play in the state house on the Republican side? Pretty significant amount. If you can go to Tennessee's state website to look at who donates to all these elected officials right now. I am shocked at how much out-of-state money is coming into Republican pockets. Absolutely. It's, it's stunning. Locally. Pfizer. Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer. Ford. Okay, we didn't plan that, guys. Thank Look you. at what Ford did in West Tennessee recently. General Electric. Right. All of these people, and they're crea- they're helping. They're not, they're not helping. They're facilitating our General Assembly creating two different classes of citizens. How is any constitutional republic standing for that? How is any elected representative in the General Assembly standing for outside organizations, outside corporations, or even outside government creating two different classes of Tennesseans. It's this age-old dilemma that goes all the way back to Nimrod when he wanted to build. Some, he, he, Nimrod built the very first city in the Bible after the flood, and he wanted a ruling elite in the city that could control everybody, and the farmers included. And this whole idea of the city versus the rural areas has been a conflict. Nothing good ever happens in the city in the Bible. 
It, all the problems come from the city. Right. You can't find 10 righteous people, right? Yeah. So a big part of what has made Tennessee great has been its rural agrarian socioeconomic situation. But it, and it's now ignored. Yes. For the benefit of those elites. Yeah. I mean, look, we're they're going to pass this new stadium, or the Titans' new stadium. Is there room for Tennessee to become much more focused on farming and crops and stuff like that for state commerce? It would seem that it's kind of being overlooked for all of the hotspot development. Right. Nashville and yeah. those big cities. And look, look at the problems those big cities have. I say our General Assembly, it may be our state, but... It needs to reflect some East Tennessee values to get back online. FMT Insurance, Farmers Mutual of Tennessee, it's a co-op ownership by the policyholders started by farmers, you know, 100 years ago. It's like the thing that is necessary for us, food, Right. it isn't growing in the supermarket. No, it's not. That would be a top priority for the state to, to preserve the farming, the, the small farm industry. I agree. Would you? Absolutely. Because the reason it came up, because I was thinking, well, what's common to both a local need, severe county, but is also of great concern to the state. And to me, it's a healthy farming industry. Farms are desperately needed and not be owned by Bill Gates. <laughs> or China. <laughs> or China. But yes, the farming industry has been, I mean, we've subsidized it at the federal level for so many years now. The government dictates what crops you can and cannot Isn't grow. it interesting that those feds would know what the most important things are to subsidize? Farming, education, medicine. And it's all to control the people. That's right. It's all about the people. I think we've overlooked the whole farming thing. You know? I would agree. Now, as far as growth goes, what can we do to come up with a good idea or a concept, at least, as far as intelligent design in growth goes? Can we designate certain areas as rural or certain areas as agrarian, or do we just let private property owners have complete last decision? Is there any any room for a cooperation between personal property rights and zoning? There absolutely should be a cooperation between them and some input from all parties involved, not just the the people selling the land, the developer, and the government. It should be that the, the widespread effect that that's going to have. Are incentives better than regulations? Oh, always, right? <laughs> we used to call that leadership through policy. Yeah. Always fails. Yes. If you pass a, po- or pass a policy in the place of strong leadership, you're not going to get the desired outcome. If you give incentives and motivation. Right. You use you- the reward power of the leadership power base. There you right? go. You always get more honey or more bees with more the honey. So we give developers incentives to develop non-agrarian land. Right. And that would be intelligent design. You know, you put it over there where that old quarry was or where that industrial blight is or redevelopment. Something along those lines. Just this unrestrained stuff that's going on right now. Yeah ends up detrimental to the community as a whole in the long run. I I see so many second and third and fourth generation farms that are now lying fallow where the kids just don't even want to go back to farming. And it just breaks my heart. You know, all these old barns and stuff, they're just lying out there going to to waste. And I just think, well, I'm a a big advocate for private property, but I also believe in incentives. And and if we could get to the point where we incentivize the farmer, the small farmer, who's under attack, they're all selling out to these international uh, corporations. We can incentivize the small farmer and we can incentivize the developer to develop those areas that make the most sense, the less um, ideal farming land. 
I, I think we could be uh, – um, have you been to Germany? Yes. Have you seen how well-ordered even their forests are well-grown? Right. You know, that's my vision for Tennessee is to, is to have this disciplined benefit for everybody where everything is nicely groomed and well-ordered and, and it's a and – it, And through a – through an organization or through a mutual agreement instead of government mandates. Exactly right. Where everybody's on board, we're doing it with true leadership. We're saying, here's our goal, here's our vision, let's do this. And it's really interesting because in nature, God designed this planet in such a way that every single plant does better if we manage it, whether it's a forest or a garden. It always does better with our hand in it. Because he gave us dominion. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm looking. I'm thinking about the um, the wildfires in California, and it used to be that you could go in there and get a free uh, cut permit and take out the diseased trees, and that all got stopped. And the beetles came in, entire areas, all this deadfall, and now they're having all these horrible wildfires. And they admit now that it's because. They haven't been managing the forests. And I think Trump told them that, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he did. So um, one last time, Larry, tell us about your blog and how people can reach you here. Okay, uh, my website, again, is libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can reach me through the website, or you can email me to larry-for-tn12 at protonmail.com. My podcast is a once-a-week episode, comes out every Wednesday, and then I do a weekend update Saturday mornings for some just local news and events. But every Wednesday I come out with a topic, and the topic's rotation is first week it will be liberty, next week it will be leadership, and the next week it will be lies, and it rinse, repeat. So every week I talk about how our liberty is being eroded by the government that hates us. It takes true servant leadership to serve in government like our founding fathers designed, and how our government and their useful idiots in the media and entertainment industries lie to us to erode our liberties. All right. And you uh, retired here in Sevierville, what was it, about five years ago? Yes, 2017. What made it, well, we got a station break coming up here in a couple of seconds, but uh, I want to talk a little bit when we get back about your experience in submarines about the stuff you can talk about. Okay. All right. Welcome back to the last 30 minutes of our show, folks. This is Richard May talking to you live from the FMT Insurance Studios of WETR, Knoxville's Talk You Can Trust. You can listen to us live on 92.3 FM and AM 760 or on the Internet at talkradio923.com. In studio today is Larry Linton. And one of the ways to listen to some of his... um, rants, I'll, I'll say that, is to just go to Rumble and type in Larry Linton, L-I-N-T-O-N, and up will come his, uh, oh, what would we call it, channel, I guess, Larry for TN12. And he does do regular episodes of about, oh, anywhere from about 20 to 30 minutes. Sometimes they're a little... No, they're all running about 20 to 30 minutes. And then he has a weekend update that he keeps fairly short. And 
great content, very interesting to listen to. He even has the most recent uh, interview by radio besides this one, and that was when he was on the Bob Bell Show. So uh, rumble.com, for those of you that are new to that, it's an alternative to that uh, YouTube thing. And just type in Larry Linton. And if you want to go to his website, it is Liberty Leadership and Lies. And then you, <laughs> it's just at dot com, Liberty Leadership and Lies dot com. And that's pretty much the theme of his content, right, Larry? Correct. All right. Um, getting back to the representation of a house district what is your obligation let let's say that god comes in and stirs up the spirit of the people and they decide it's time for a change it's not that we've got a bad representative now but most of the people say i don't want any of my politicians getting too comfortable so let's say god stirs them up with a time for change and you get elected to office what are you going to what would be your mind of staying in touch with uh, what's the population of your district? Is it like, do you have any ideas? It, it's it's got to right be around 100,000. I was just going to say, it's got to be around. What do you do to stay in touch with 100,000 people? Well, I will continue to use my podcast and I'll continue to use my website blog to stay in touch with them. I'll be home every weekend and try to continue to do these. They won't be meet and greets, they'll be town hall type events. Correct. But so you, so that's where I was going. So a town hall meeting is something that you would commit to. Absolutely. Maybe every quarter or something like that. Even freak, more frequent than that. Right. Whenever the General Assembly is in session, I believe that the people need to know what the elected representatives are doing. Which brings me to my next one, committee votes. Tell Co us about that. Well, in our current makeup, the House side in the committees, they don't record their voice votes. What's so what what significance does a committee have? The committee, these small committees, determine whether a bill will make it to the House floor or not for a vote. Exactly. So they can kill good bills and promote crappy bills in these committees. That's where they all go. Ano um, anonymously. Anonymously, right. They don't have to, they don't record the voice. So that's what I would be doing there because... If I'm not on a committee and I've got some free time, I'm going to a committee that's voting on a bill that I think is important, and I'm going to tell the people who killed it or who supported bad That's okay to do, because I've seen that reported on Gary Humbles and I think Tennessee uh, Conservative News report sometimes on who voted for what in committee. Absolutely. So that's it's public, it's public domain, but they don't make it available. They don't record it on their website. Now, if the, if the committee is having a video, you can watch it if it's being yeah. televised. Fat luck there. Right. And, like, everybody's got time out of the busy days. Right. Because they're out working for, to, for only six cents or out of every ten that they're going to keep. So, so you would be an advocate for a, a public record that's accessible for committee votes. Correct. I would be. A, a, that's <laughs> huge. I'm a huge advocate for citizen involvement. Right. We have to participate in our system of self-governance or our governance will no longer be self. Right. So that would be one thing. Uh, public uh, town hall meetings would be another. Would there be a way for them to express concerns via social media? Absolutely. They can go to any of my pages. I'm keeping them all up. 
You are? Okay. So right now, if people wanted to reach out to you and connect with you through social media rather than face-to-face, what's the best way to do that? Uh, So I'm on Facebook, Larry for TN12. Oh, Larry for TN12 (coughs) is is your Facebook page? Uh, Yes. And there's a way to contact you there. That's that message app. Right. And on Instagram as well, Larry for TN12 there. All right. I'm on Twitter, Larry for TN12 there. You and, have a life? And, <laughs> and also True Social, Larry for TN12. Oh, you're on and, the new one. Right. And I'm also, I have my also my podcast, social media pages, which is Liberty Leadership and Lies. Okay. On, on all, well, not on True Social, but on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Are there, um, have you reached out to the gun owners of America? Not yet. Okay. Uh, uh, I subscribe to their newsletter. All right. If and when you do, you want to say I'm an endorsement, please feel free to right. do that. I've reached out to the Tennessee Firearms Association as well. Okay. And I've reached out for them. That I'm a member of the Tennessee Firearms they're Association. They're a good group. They're a good group. Right. And uh, I actually had their executive director on my podcast in the early stages. We did an interview, and we talked specifically about the Second Amendment. All right. What about the Second Amendment um, is your own personal feelings about there? There's a bill in the federal Senate right now to, I think, remove the Guns and Firearms Acts, and that is the, the, the old ones that put restrictions on certain types of weapons. And I'm still exploring my own feelings on that. I'm so comfortable knowing I can still buy the weapons I can buy. I'm a little concerned about leaving it wide open for full auto and silencers. So I, I'm I'm still trying to figure out whether that's something that would be nullifiable in this state or not. I'm not sure what, what you mean you're uncomfortable full auto. Well, Did you know that you already own every fully automatic rifle in the United States arsenal right now. You and I, we own every weapon okay. that our military owns. Um, we just let the government use it. The, the state of uh, South Carolina passed a bill last year that declared the uh, state militia, the unregulated militia, every person between the ages of 18 and able-bodied end times was a member officially of the state militia and that their firearms were part of the state's protected uh, the firearms, the uh, gunpowder, the ammunition, everything that those personal people owned was protected under the concept of them being in their state militia. It wasn't the state's ownership, but the militia itself provided for protection for each of those individual gun owners. Which was the original intent of the Second Amendment. Every able-bodied male yep. back in seventeen eighty. It was a brilliant legislative right. move. Was part of the militia and well-regulated, contrary to what the commies would like you to believe. It wasn't regulations. It, it was trained. practice. It was trained Training. in the methods and use and maintenance of the arm. That's right. When they talk about it, and Joe Biden's even said this, and I've mentioned this before, he said you couldn't own a cannon. Really? That's what the Second Amendment was for? No. No, actually, they did. Most of the cannons were owned by private citizens. Right. I take you to one of the powers, Congress's enumerated powers, Article 1, Section 8, the enumerated powers, the War Powers Clause. What else is in there? 
that Congress can issue letters of mark and reprisal. Who do they issue those letters to? Privateers. Yep. Privately owned ships with cannons. That's right. At federal government back in the 1780s realized that they had to rely on a well-armed citizenry. Mm-hmm. They were better armed than the government. That's right. And that's so why the government was so polite. <laughs> the Second Amendment never meant to apply to weapons of war. Do you think the British were marching on Concord and Lexington to take muskets? No. no, they were marching to take their cannons. That's right. But that's my views on the Second Amendment. Okay. <laughs> Very important to you. Yes. Very important to you. All right. Well, <coughs> talking today with Larry Linton, he's running for uh, State House of Representative in District 12 at Sevier County. He's a 30-year veteran of the Navy. He's worked in submarines and has... Uh, finished out his career in an incredible leadership role, training other master chiefs, command master chiefs, command and, and master chiefs. chiefs, and chiefs master. So E seven wow. to E E seven E eight E nine. Wow! In the Navy, it's a special relationship. That's the only branch that has the E seven E eight E nine special relationship. Yeah, they're called a chiefs mess. They are the senior enlisted leadership at every command, and they work together as a whole. They they're the only branch that changes uniforms. And you were uh, teaching them leadership skills. This is the kind of man we want in the state house. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Thinking of my kids, what's left of them, then what's coming down the road. The light in the tunnel could be the southbound train. Lord, please help them with their load. Welcome back to the last segment of, of JES Biblical Worldview Talk Show. I'm Richard May. In studio is a very special guest and uh, growing friend, Larry Linton. He lives in Sevier County. He lives actually uh, right in, outside of Sevierville. And he's been there just since he retired from 30 years serving our country in the Navy. Now he wants to serve the citizens of Sevier County by running as an independent, non-affiliated uh, candidate for District 12 in the general election. In the general election, if you're running as a non-aligned independent candidate, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent voter, you can certainly vote for Larry. In the primaries, you're kind of stuck with the party you're registered with. and I don't know what the independents do in that case. That's why I wasn't on the ballot. <laughs> no <laughs> primary for me. So He's running uh, against uh, an incumbent that's been in there for uh, a few seasons, and it, it isn't any kind of a uh, case against the incumbent. It's more along the lines that uh, Larry and I both believe that you need to be a servant to the people, not to your donors. And uh, if there was a way that we could keep politics as local as possible and, and freeze out all of these overseas and international and national uh, sources of funding for politicians, I would be all for it. But in the meantime, all we can do is throw our hat in the ring and pray and get the word out. And so that's what we're doing today. I've really become uh, quite a believer in Larry's cause. This is a real died-in-the-true patriot. He's laid his life on the line for the country. You've been in um, a number of uh, combat zones, haven't you? Well, mostly on submarines, so I can't tell you where they were at. But <laughs> <laughs> you were deployed, in deployed defense of the during co- 
certain engagements, right. which were all the way from the Cold War up until the latest uh, Desert Storm and, and Global War on Terror. Yeah, all, all thirty years. Right, right. So you were deployed during that whole time. During the whole time. Wow. All right. Well, that's about as much as he can tell us about his submarine experience. But, well, okay, let me put it this. Of the 30 years, uh, how much of it was deployed underwater? I've got 11 total years of submerged time in my 30 years. Get out of here. Now, can't you tell from my great submarine fluorescent light bulb tan? Yeah. <laughs> I don't tan anymore. I just, I'm a, I'm a screaming class alpha fire if I'm out in the sun too long. And you, what was your rank? I retired as a... Command Master Chief Petty Officer, which is E9. And your working rank during some of the, most of those deployments was? Oh, E1 all the way to E9. Really? Right. You started E1 in a sub. Yes. It's on the USS John Adams out of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, my goodness. All right. We got a lot to talk <laughs> about. Um, but in our last minutes, election integrity and how important it is, Larry. Well, we could see from our last presidential election how Badly, our country needs election integrity, a complete overhaul of the system. First of all, why are we allowing machines to tabulate votes? I just voted early the other day in the primary because I'm not going to be in town for the primary election day next week. So I got went to the machine, I punched a bunch of on-screen stuff, and it gave me a printout. Mm-hmm. And I take that printout and I feed it into another machine. I don't see it after that, and I don't even see what that machine says that I Why does it have to come out of one machine and into another? Uh, I have no idea. Why can't we just do paper ballots? Yes. I mean, I was in the armed forces for 30 years. We did nation building all over this planet. We instituted governments where voting, you had to have an ID, and you got your thumb stained purple when you were done. So you know that people didn't vote twice. You know who they were when they voted. Why can't we do that in what is supposedly the most free nation on the planet? Has that? Uh, I can remember the news clips of people proudly holding up their thumb-stained hand, and everybody thought that that was um, proof that they had voted. But what it really was was proof that they don't vote twice. Correct. And that was never explained. No, it wasn't. They, they don't want people to know that. But we need to get back to a system where our elections are completely accountable to not to government, but to people. Now, we I don't trust them anymore. I threw something out during the break to you, and that was that if we had a paper ballot, and it was a two-copy paper ballot, one that is the permanent record for the uh, county clerk and one was a permanent record for the individual, the individual would always have permanent proof of not only that he voted, but what he voted for. That would be incredible. That would be something. That would be awesome. Something I would wholeheartedly support. There's a couple of other issues I would. Sure. I'm behind on election integrity. First of all, you have to have knowledge of the government that you're voting for. That's right. Like you have to know what your state and your federal constitution says. You have to be educated on that, or you're going to just get willy nilly. Would it be fair to say that <laughs> election integrity includes educating the people how to be good citizens? Absolutely. That is paramount because we don't have. A lot of people that know what our freedoms are and what our government can and cannot do. Do you think there's a connection between the lack of knowledge of citizenship and the apathy of voting? If you're not it's directly correlated, there and you it go. all goes back to the government being in control of the education system. If you're taught how to be a good citizen and what your rights are, you're going to want to go vote. 
Absolutely. There's going to be a much more invested motive. We're talking about motivation and incentive as opposed right. to rules. The, the reward power base of leadership. <laughs> and so part of that is telling them how to be good citizens, and that's voting. Right, absolutely. And incentivizes them. You so. need to do that once again. And uh, definitely ID, voter ID. Well, we already have it in Tennessee, but it, it needs to be expanded across the nation when we get where we got. How do you feel about misdemeanor convicts re recovering their vote? I, I believe that if you did not commit a violent crime where you deprive somebody of their life or liberty, mm -hmm. you should be able to be restored your right. I believe that too. But if you've denied somebody their right to life, you have forfeited your rights to participate in civilized And that's society. a fair and balanced way to deal with it. But yes. as far as a lot of these misdemeanor crimes. Uh, do your time. They've already done their time. They should be able to vote again. And maybe have some kind of a citizenship right. program. They have, to, they have to pass a course on constitutional knowledge. Which would turn them into our best voters. <laughs> the most... <laughs> The most energetic voters. Yes, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. That which you have lost and recovered is more precious. Right, because we discussed this the other day. It's amazing that you see the naturalized citizens in our country know more about our constitutional yep. republic than the people that are born. Very good. I like that idea, giving these people that are fresh to the country a knowledge of our, our, like you say, they know it better than we do, and those guys that have redeemed themselves to society that have not deprived others of their rights but have, are in there for property uh, crimes and drug crimes and stuff like that, Those, if, if they are motivated enough to become good citizens and go through a citizenship course, I would, I would welcome them back with wholehearted arms. And, and if we're doing that for people that come in here naturally. Why aren't we requiring our citizens to know about our Constitution? Exactly right. <laughs> um, is there a state board of education that you're aware of? I know there's a commissioner of education and the state board. So it's Dr. Penny Schwinn, a California transplant, who is a uh, who they the General Assembly left it up to her to decide if schools are teaching critical race theory or not. Oh it's, boy, she needs to be removed. Governor Bill Lee made the completely wrong choice in her, and our education system is suffering because she is in there. Last words are yours, Larry. Well, thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me on the program. It's been a pure pleasure, and I'm humbled by the opportunity to talk to you as well as any of the voters or people that are listening. If you would like to find out more about me and how I think and what I want to do, just please visit libertyleadershipandlies.com. Listen, download, and listen to all the episodes of my podcast, and you will find out that our constitutional republic, and thereby our state of Tennessee, we are in dire straits now because we no longer have servant leadership in our General Assembly. Electing me to go to the General Assembly will turn the tide. It could be the shot heard around Tennessee. Do you promise to always talk straight? Always. <laughs> I mean, I He been, does that on his podcast <laughs> really well. I've, I've been told that I was born without one of those filters in my head, and thank God my wife was provided to me, that sometimes she gets to serve as that filter, but and she's got her work cut out for her. But I, I, I will give you the straight-up skinny every time. We are in trouble, and 
it will it will take true servant leadership to restore well it was a, restore a our faith. real pleasure having you uh, i'm going to get you back on perhaps in the meantime our families can get together for dinner um, want to get to know you better make a better connection and see what we can do to uh, promote this campaign both on the air and off the air um Mr. Producer, how are we doing over there? Are we about done? I'm completely lost in here. <laughs> we got one minute left. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, we're done.